welcome to the Everything Theatre podcast, brought to you by Everything Theatre, a theatre review and interview website covering more than just London Fringe Theatre. Each week we'll bring you interviews with some of the best that Fringe Theatre has to offer. We'll talk to theatre makers about new shows, hear about the art of making the plays, talk about some of the wonderful venues you may never have heard of before. In short, we will chat Everything Theatre and what makes it tick. So let's dive straight in and hear what today's episode has to offer. Today I've got um, Tristan Jackson-Pate. Tristan is from Cherwell Theatre Company and they are just in the process of putting on a show called Song of the Summer. Tristan, love to meet you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Cherwell? I'd love to. Uh, yeah, so my name's Tristan. I, I started as an actor and then in the last seven years I have moved very gladly into writing and directing and artistic director of Cherwell Theatre Company. CTC, as we are known to most people, are just a lovely, really youth and community owned organisation that has existed long before me. So we were founded in 2004 by the actor and writer Nasser Mamazia. Um, who's been a great hero and a mentor to mine and is actually a dramaturg on this project. Um, but Nasa founded the company in Banbury in the Chilwell district to address a lack of kind of cultural opportunities for young people. And a, a big part of it's always been about training, really, training that next generation of young people to, to do those amazing arts-based jobs. I first encountered the company as an actor and what I thought was so unique and exciting about it, and this is about... It's about 13 years ago now, but what I thought was the most exciting about it was the way that young people just interacted with the professional artists in a way that was so mutually exciting and rewarding to both. There's nothing tokenistic about it. When we make a show with young people, we are making that show with young people on an equal footing with the professionals. Um, obviously, there is a degree of our, any work that is a kind of a mentoring role, but um, our best shows and our best ideas have all come from our young people. You are very kind to feature um, a show we made recently called Sam and Zoe versus Evermore, uh, which was inspired by some of our young people who were into their fantasy gaming and Dungeons and Dragons, of which I knew nothing about. And we created this amazing um, game theatre piece that were, went to schools and community settings and theatres and was all about bringing in people who wouldn't normally go to the theatre to get involved in this epic Dungeons and Dragons quest with us. So in a nutshell, yeah, the work is all about bringing in people who wouldn't necessarily think theatre was for them. And those amazing kind of social and artistic outcomes you get through doing theatre with young people. So a lot of that is about perspective and trying things that we as an older generation wouldn't necessarily think of, looking at things through their lens and with them. But also, gosh, just like I think anyone involved in theatre would test Justify. Youth theatres are just sacred, amazing spaces where you can make friends, you can express yourself, you can be yourself, you can try and fail at things multiple times. And I think those spaces are so important for young people. There is. And I I mean, they are. And I, I, I mean, there's some great ones on off in London. Um, I mean, Batsy Arts Centre are incredible. They do so much for youth. Then there's there's a intermission which deal with which sort of do in a in a city they they do Shakespeare for kids from uh, inner city schools but they update it it fills a gap doesn't it because there's such a there's such a lack of proper youth activities 
that have been slowly dwindled away and theatre sort of seems to be one for them. Let's talk about sound, uh, not sound of the summer, uh, song of the summer then. So song of the summer is your upcoming show, which is coming on in August. Um, it's a bit of gig theatre. So what, what's the show about? You're, you're writing this, aren't you? Writing and directing. That's right. And I'll tell you what, it's having it's had the longest gestational period of any show really? I've made, but I think it's been totally enriched by it. So I sat down to start writing this play in 2016. Yeah, at which point 2006 was only 10 years away because <laughs> the play is set in 2006. And essentially, it is a love letter to a time and place, really. It's Northampton, it's 2006. It's an incredible music scene I found myself part of for a couple of amazing years and a couple of amazing summers. I was always, you know, quite driven to go off and become an actor, but I found myself in Northampton. I'd finished an acting course at college. I was applying for drama schools. I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I got sidetracked for a couple of years uh, performing in original bands. And I tell you what, Northampton had and continues to have a properly amazing music scene. There are consistently people coming through. There are a plethora of exciting venues to play at, not least the, the pitch drone where we're doing the show, but there's the Roadmender there, there's the Garibaldi. There was an amazing place called the Sound House. I had some amazing coming of age moments in. Um, there is, there's uh, the, the, the King Billy and um, the Black Prince today, which is the racehorse in its day. So. You're probably getting the impression, Rob, there was rich material for mm. me to derive from in writing this show. And actually, it started off as an exercise of just trying to get all the thoughts down about it. Like 10 years away from coming out of that and now an adult with, with children, I was looking back at it and thinking, what was it about that time that, that, that made it so special? And I got to have some amazing conversations and reminisce with some some musicians, some of whom are, are still going. So, um, we've got a great track record of, of, of really successful bands and solo acts as well who have come out of the town. But I was really just trying to pin down what it was about that particularly rich time. And what's evolved from it, I suppose, is a coming of age story. It's about these five young people who come together because they are all to a degree dissatisfied in other bands and they want to form something like a super group. Um, the play was originally called Supergroup for a while and we did some, some Arts Council funded re uh, research and development and we found that no contemporary young people know the term supergroup. Um, <laughs> it's, it's sort of associated with dad rock. Um, but no, the yeah. is very derived from the kind of um, the, that second wave of Britpop in the mid 2000s. So the Libertines are a big touchstone, Block Party, Franz Ferdinand, The Killers. Uh, the Hives, all these kind of exciting, uh, the White Stripes as well, really big influence on me. So, yeah, so in a nutshell, <laughs> six years later, here we are. And the show is, um, I, 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 gig theatre is a very exciting and in some ways still emerging art form. I've seen some amazing examples of it and no two productions I've seen have ever been the same. Mm. And I think this is going to give you something else as well. What I've done really is I've written the play that I've never seen that I want to see, which is this. I've seen films a bit like this, but I've never seen a play which is all about this coming together of young people as a band. But as part of the action, we see them rehearsing upstairs in a carpet shop. We see them falling out of... Uh, you know, into back alleys of pubs at all hours of the morning. But we also see them do these onstage performances. And those moments, I hope, are going to be the most transcendent, exciting ones where it suddenly shifts gear from what feels like a promenade theatre piece into, wow, I'm at a massive gig. And these guys who were, you know, loosely based on teenage bands I were in, which were, you know, 
<laughs> as you'd expect teenage bands to be, will feel like <laughs> rock stars, rock gods for uh, for the duration. <laughs> You've got a musical background then. Yeah, so I'm collaborating with a brilliant musical director called Adrian Banks, who's a friend of mine who goes, we go back a long way, he's done a lot of sound design with me, but this is the first way that we've, first time we've worked together in terms of actually recruiting a cast of active musicians alongside all the young people. We have a youth ensemble in the show who we've already started work with. There's some great musicians in that team as well. But to just work as a band, which will be the very much the early stages of, of rehearsal. The songs to answer your question, 90% genuine songs I wrote when I was about 16. And I've really <laughs> tried to preserve the authenticity of them. Brilliant. Try and dress them up and not take out the embarrassing stuff. Um, <laughs> um, so they feel angsty. They feel like someone who's got loads of stuff they want to say, but hasn't really found the channel to say it. Um, and they do feel you know, in some ways, I think quite derivative of some of those bands I've mentioned. I think when you're developing as a musician, you wear your influences on your sleeve quite a lot. Um, but again, it feels incredibly authentic to the time, uh, that kind of sound. I'm, so I try to mess around with them too much. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite interested. So if you're sort of, so, so you've got your lot of original lyrics you wrote when you were sort of a teenager, does that, has that helped sort of keep, you know, bass to play in those teenage faults because the lyrics are probably, you know, very authentic because they were written by a teenager. Yeah, and you can see in them um, that they kind of relate to relationships or friendships I had at the time. And while none of the characters are 100% based on anyone, they've all evolved. And I've done a lot of R&D on it with different groups of young people who have all brought their own personalities and unique qualities to it. The basis of the story has always been in the song. So there's a song in it, which is from the point of view of someone who feels very inadequate as, as a poet next to a, a fellow songwriter. Uh, true story. <laughs> Maybe we've all felt like that in creative partnerships one way. And that became a really central thing about the dynamic between these two lead characters, Alex and Leo. Leo is your kind of libertine-esque um, kind of freewheeling artist type um, and Alex is your earnest I want to put in the hours but um, I think when we meet him in the show he's quite self-censoring and he hasn't found his voice yet um, and it's that some in some ways it's that Lennon McCartney or um, Pete Doherty and Carl Barrett I was now when you said that I was thinking Carl Barrett and um, Pete Doherty yeah well, they're really their presence. I think looms really large over the over the show in a really positive, in a loving way because the Libertines, uh, besides the Beatles, who have always been very important to me, but they were never a band I could reach out and touch in the way the Libertines were. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first guitar band I discovered as a teenager that again had such a unique and open relationship with their fans. I was in a band with a a friend who had been to a house party at one of their houses and had a signed guitar and things like that. And wow. you could just find, in the early days of my space and message boards you could just find out where they were doing gigs in weird little london pubs and we were coming in from you know um oxfordshire northamptonshire and um missing our last trains home because they wouldn't go on stage until after midnight and things like that but um yeah like that was a, a, a real inspiration and i think that combination of uh, it's so interesting as I could talk about creative partnerships forever, like uh, Tversky and Kahneman is one I've always been interested in as well, who was a scientist. Like 
or the Lennon and McCartney edge, that kind of who's bringing the work ethic and who's bringing the kind of creative uh, zeal and how do you sustain them and how does it not become about ego? Um, it's fascinating. So there's a, there's a lot of that going on in the play. Um, and then I hope the other characters are, are, are also, without being stereotypes, I have found some things to be quite true of musicians in my time in bands, one of which is that the drummers are usually the most sound relaxed people who everyone likes and get on with the job. <laughs> um, there's another, I guess that slightly George Harrison archetype about lead guitarist that you sometimes see as well. And so there is an element of those characteristics represented um, in the play too. <laughs> now you've talked about sort of, you've got um, a lot of new musicians performing and you've got a lot of youth performing. Um, have you, source the source those that's a horrible word isn't it we're talking about people but have you sort of gathered those from around the local sort of northampton sort of scene in the area yeah so we've done loads of outreach in northampton since the start of the year um and we have been into schools and colleges and community settings and there's some great agencies in northampton uh royal and Durngate, where we're, we're based uh, who we're co-producing with right next door to them we've got this amazing charity called performing room who were around in my day and helped me to sort of get my first gigs and and, and make friendships and, and develop as a musician and they're still right in the center of the town yeah. on the guild hall doing that for the next generation um and it's been amazing i've been able to catch up with youth workers who are probably my age back in 2006 <laughs> and, and, and sort of chat to them and the new generation coming through. And there's also the Northampton Music and Performing Arts Trust who have been amazing partners and any school or college that we've been to has been amazing. So we've done these, these workshops which have helped to develop the style of the play but also recruit this ensemble of young people. Uh, we've got about 30 of them. They are very exciting. They're kind of aged between about 14 and 20. And like I say, there's some of them are very skilled musicians and primarily musicians, and they're getting into the acting side of it. And some of them are actors and not musicians, and we're songwriting together and we're developing um, physical theater sequences together because there's space within the script alongside the, the songs we've talked about the band performed to have original performances um, from, from the youth of today, as it were. I mean, how, how many go be on stage in the actual performance show then? I mean, so we've we've got them in two rotating casks we're okay. doing a lot of shows so um yeah so you've got about 10 in each cast on stage the, the one of the one of the uh fun things which again is a little bit pete doherty-esque <laughs> is that we hear extracts of one of the characters diaries and they are very florid in terms of their prose and they're full of funny kind of very british aphorisms and they're, they kind of lurch between being self-aggrandizing and self-loathing, as you probably do as a teenager, right? Anyway. Um, and that's a real big part of the way that youth of ensemble have got involved. So they're helping us bring those diaries to life, literally taking the microphone from the lead cast member and um, create, creating these diaries, big physical set to live music. Um, so I, I think whilst our professional cast it's, it's sort of naturalistic in the way that works i guess they're um they're all playing one character each and they're the elements of this band um where it gets really exciting in those moments where they're playing those live gigs and it suddenly feels like wembley um <laughs> all those moments where the diaries come to life and the young people are in the space and uh yeah it's sort of quite immersive with the audience they're sort of stylized heightened moments i suppose i'd say you're playing at the Picturedome, which is is an old cinema, isn't it? It is converted cinema into a music venue, yeah? 
Yeah, and so and that happened a long time ago. So when I was playing in gigs around Northampton, I played the Picture Drone once or twice. I must admit, it was on the upper end of gig venues. It was not some of the sticky floored, sweaty places I reckon. <laughs> Um, because it's also very big it's sort of 350 capacity uh, venue. but yeah it looks it looks like a cinema when you go in it's got a pro, it's got a press arch and it's got a nice stage um it's on two floors it's also got a mezzanine level as well and i think partly just that they're very lo lovely people to work with and have been great uh all the way through the process of developing the show but also they've got that kind of gig audience who of people who routinely come to gigs mm. or silent discos or all these different events they do who we really want to see the show like there's two big pictures uh, i'm making here one of them is about bringing young people who wouldn't normally go to the theater to see a play in a venue that feels accessible to them like a gig venue and another is about yeah probably this generation that are closer to me who have fond memories of the town in the uh, mid-2000s and I think a lot of it's universal. I did work in Birmingham with young people at the old rep about this and a lot of them related to the stuff in the play, even if it was 16 years ago. So there's that that audience and that kind of young audience today who would love to come together and kind of experience the show together. Is it, is it seated or is it going to be a standing event? It is a standing event, yeah. So um, there are seats for anyone who has access requirements. So we're holding back a number of seats per, per performance. Okay. So if you... Um, need a seat to enjoy the show then you can book tickets that usual way and there's a box you can tick and we'll make sure you get a seat or a wheelchair space or whatever you need and i and i assure you that you will see everything from that seated position we've thought very carefully about it but really we want it to feel like a gig so that's mm. standing pint in your hand isn't it and maybe sloshing it over the back of someone's <laughs> neck <laughs> that's how it should feel um and the audience should feel free to move so we're, we're using multiple spaces as well as the main stage where you'd normally see bands on in the gig venue we're creating a satellite stage at the other end of the venue which is represents the carpet shop that the band practice in we're using a big um metal staircase at another part of the venue there are some scenes which are set at the bar in a gig venue which we're doing at the bar in the gig venue okay. so the action kind of moves around and actually it works for, for for three types of audience i think it's that audience who want to sit and watch things happen it's the audience who want to which is probably more like me who want to get in and amongst it and go to the different areas where the things are happening and there's the audience who are like Do you know what i'm going to stand here and this is where i'm going to be all night and you'll get a good experience too so <laughs> yeah it's, yeah. it's a, a risk <coughs> and it's so the interesting thing here is you mentioned about trying to bring in a new you know a young audience for this which i you know i think gig theater is absolutely perfect almost entry level sort of theater for for, for a younger newer audience but is there a risk that you then will alienate a more traditional audience are you sort of are you risking losing some of the other audience by have you know by having it as a standing venue by performing it this way yeah i think so so as part of the um research and development process back in 2019 actually so it probably wouldn't have been six years it, it maybe would have been four years if we'd have done it in 2020 but he was he was doing stuff in 2020 um but a part of that process was figuring out where it sat actually because we're all excited by the old deal we, we could all see how the musicianship would uh link with the kind of physical theater language we developed but we looked at a lot of different concepts of where we'd set it we thought is this a fully promenade uh, production or is this an immersive production in the mode of, of, of punch drunk or similar 
or is this a traditional thing where we just bring a gig into a theatre? And there were pros and cons to each of them. There was a lot I got really excited about for the model box of the theatre production of just thinking about all the things that you can do in a theatre <laughs> with lighting and sound and mm. projection, all that stuff that's harder to do in a gig venue. But it never felt right to me that the audience were sat in a traditional setting. And of all my work with young people, I have found even young people who work with the company for many years and make shows with us and we do a lot of taking shows into site-specific spaces to be fair so that's kind of the um that's the language we've developed but um they don't often go to theatres unless we're taking them there and they don't necessarily feel those spaces are for them um so with something like sam and zoe our game theater piece taking it into community settings on people's own terms where they were could take a punt on something because they didn't really have to make the effort to go out <laughs> uh, was was kind of a successful way of delivering it. Now, that's not to say that I don't recognise, you know, uh, theatres are so important to me and theatre buildings are exciting and brilliant and a massive part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I adore the experience of going to theatre. But I think there are gaps sometimes around audience development with young people because people see that it's a challenge and a risk. And I think to go more boldly, to lean more boldly into this is a show that is for and about young people, because their characters are 17, 18 years old. I, I think we need to take that punt because there's not enough companies producing work for those young people because it's hard to engage them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, and I mean, I've seen quite a few bits of gig theatre and mm. it is quite interesting how some of it almost is becoming sanitized to 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 appeal to the normal theater goers which i mm. think is is a travesty to gig theater <laughs> i think gig theater should be i i like the word dirty and i think some people look at me quite strange when i say that but i think gig theater has to have be rough around the edges there has to be it has, there has to be a slight rough dirty feel to it doesn't there to make it feel authentic because as you say a gig should be where you know you shouldn't go to a gig without the risk of being covered in a pint at some point <laughs> i completely agree and and i think that's why i could once we looked at the picture drain and we kind of explored how it would sit in that venue i couldn't get it out of my head i just thought you get so much for free in terms of the design and the feel of the show by just standing in this space where bands regularly perform um that bringing it into a you know a beautiful prosage theater like the royal in northampton lovely gorgeous i'd go see anything there but i don't want people sat in a velvet seats having an ice cream at the end but there is a different feel, isn't there? There is a feel to a gig when it's sort of standing to when it's seated. Yeah, and I think that, again, this is this is foremost in my mind in making the show. So uh, the process of kind of um, the dramaturgical process of, of, of shaping it for this venue and making it feel relevant and engaging, I've always had in the back of my mind, people are standing, people are standing there you can't lose them they can't get bored they can't switch up the bar is open they'll go to the bar if they're bored um, and i think that's been a good guiding principle actually that's helped me really cut to the quick of things so it's going to be 45 minutes you get a little break where you can sit down <laughs> if you want and then and then another 45 minutes and i i think almost like 90 minutes for a theatre show is great why don't more people do that <laughs> um so i i, I it's definitely be made knowing those challenges, but embracing them. Um, it's going to be machine tool to, to hopefully be engaging throughout the duration and keep it, hooking. 
Yeah, and I've, I've not been to a gig theatre yet where you've actually stood, and it is an interesting fault to... What we're doing, which is a leap of faith, you know. I've, I'm a very experienced musician. Um, beyond kind of being in teenage bands, I've also uh, done a lot of music therapy and uh, really see the value in that. So bringing that together with my theatre making, uh, and because all actually the work, all the work I make is about community and trying to bring people together, really. It's a kind of line running through it all you know that that kind of marriage of the two is 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 exciting for me but i do recognize that i'm trying something new and i am swinging for the fences so <laughs> but this is what it should be about and especially with the youth though isn't it when if you go get the youth involved you've got to take risks you've got because surely new theater you know the youth are going, what are going to make in the theater for the next 30 40 years for us so surely we you know they they will bring in new ideas and gig mm. theater to me is still quite a fresh new idea and getting kids excited about theater through music is is a brilliant way to do it and i just think i think you know you have to take the risk and i love what i've what i've seen what you've done and yeah and going back to the um the gaming sort of show you've done it looks so different, but you know it's go get grab the kids' attention because of it. You know, it's mm. you know you shouldn't be making theatre for me. There's enough theatre for you know a fifty-one year old bloke. You know, <laughs> I, I don't need you to make theatre for me. I need you to make theatre to bring the kids in, so so that the kids will be making theatre for me when I'm in my eighties. You know. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm so glad you think like that. I think we're in a totally in the, in agreement. <laughs> I also see lots of theatre that's made for me. To be honest, there's, there's plenty of it around, isn't there? There's plenty around, around that. You know, if we want traditional theatre, if we want, you know, social theatre, if you want drama, if you want musicals, there's plenty of that around. But we've got to encourage. Yeah, you know, we've got to find a space to bring kids into the theatre. You know, teenagers, people in their early twenties, and and gig theatre is is I every time I see a good piece of gig theatre, I think this is perfect. This is this is the new you know, this this is a new form of theatre that is going to bring kids in. Um, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And 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 hopefully, you know, in in my experience, for a lot of the best, some of the best you know shows I've seen in that genre is that the audience finds it. I mean, I saw Misty uh, on its West End transfer uh, by Arinza Keen, and an element of it, sure, it's a West End transfer of a show. It's in a very nice seated venue, but that audience were mad for it. They were around, they were, they were on their feet most of the time, to be honest. It was a really, and the music was incredible and the work was brave and weird and out there. And it felt like its audience had found it. So yeah, there's, there's good work to be done in that arena, I think. If there's one thing we learned from this pandemic, it's got to be give those young people those opportunities they've missed and create access for them to get involved because they really need help to find it. And when they find it, they fly like, like, oh, I've just got so many amazing stories about individuals who have come to us, you know, shy and retiring or anxious to put themselves forward in any group discussion who, you know, years later, they've tried acting, they've tried stand up comedy, they've done filmmaking, they've written a play, they've gone off to university, you know, but you, you need that time and you need those youth workers, really. And I think I've even heard stories about that people struggle to recruit youth workers these days because it's almost like a whole profession that's 
disappeared for 10 years, you know, and that's a vital, vital role in the community. But what I was going to say is partnership working is the way to do it. So at CTC, we, most of the partners we work with are not arts related at all. We work with our local mosque. We work with um, a, a group who work with young people with additional needs. We work with community centres in, in sort of areas of high deprivation. And we're taking art stuff to them in a way that is inclusive and accessible to hopefully catch those kids who like well, on community centre we work at the kids come there to play football they've got this new centre built it's beautiful it's got a great hall to play football in and we're slowly going hey have you tried this uh come and give this a go it's like slow and deliberate work yeah, but, but the point it, is if you put it in front of kids isn't it if you put something in front of them and make it interesting and that brings us nicely back to the sort of gig theatre if you say mm -hmm. look you know because theatre can sound quite stuffy kind of let's face it most, a lot of people's image of theatre is quite stuffy and I think the one thing I think we do well at everything theatre is show that it's not you know yeah. we you know, the mad stuff we've been involved in you know the mad shows we've reviewed and it's theatre isn't stuffy theatre isn't about just turning up and watching a 90 minute drama about you know two people sitting around a kitchen table theatre <laughs> theatre has such a range and you know and, and gig theatre is part of that range isn't it which brings me back to the question I was going to ask earlier, which I've written down here. So this is more of a rock gig theatre, more rocky than... Because gig theatre, quite a lot of gig theatre is quite hip-hop, isn't it? Quite spoken word. But you're going down a more rocky avenue of it? Yeah, absolutely. Again, partly because that was the key inspirations at the time and certainly the, the, the music, the sort of existing music I've developed for the show. Um, but also because I'd just not seen it before. Um, no, there was a great show. Every all we ever wanted was everything. Great uh, middle child show, which drew on lots of different genres of music. But I wanted to see those actor musicians up on stage. You know, four piece essentially is what it is. It's two guitars, a bass, and a drum, and that's how most people start in a band, isn't it? It's regardless of where you find you, it's back to basics, and you start playing covers of other people's songs. And part of our process of working with young people has just been doing that. Just been playing stuff with them and letting them see what they can do. And now we're getting into the the fun part, which is okay. Let's write something then. Let's make something new together for the first time. Um, but I would say there are elements of it because these diaries I I told you about are so sort of florid and poetic as we've been exploring bringing them to life with the young people we have found an element of some of them that feel a bit like beat poetry and we've played around with almost creating stomp style rhythms together um, and when we bring our professional actor musicians in as well uh, it's going to be exciting to set some of these things to, to, to drum breaks and see how they work. So, yeah, it's it's definitely in the world of indie rock and roll. It's rocky, yeah, with, with spoken word elements in it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably an obvious thing to say because, you know, most it's hard to find someone who doesn't like music. Most people like music. Mm. But there is something amazing, truly amazing, about a combination of music and and. Um, and kind of words, <laughs> I found so basic what I'm saying, but it's trans, it's like just almost more transcending than anything else. I'm thinking of K Tempest and people like that. Oh. That level that just takes you somewhere else or some of the best elements of musical theater do that as well, don't you? They totally just uplift you in a way that without having a musical element would. You know? I saw K Tempest at Hammersmith Polo mm. just before lockdown. They can't be anything over five foot. And just absolutely 4,000 people in Hammersmith Apollo, oh, yeah. you could hear a pin drop at some points. 
they a massive stage and there's K-Tempest in the middle of this stage with with uh, DJ in the background just doing the beats yeah. knocking out these lyrics and they had the place as I say in the palm of their hands yeah. and there was a pause at the end of the gig as, as they finished and it was just this pause because you did, no one wanted to break the silence mm. there's one of those absolutely incredible moments where there was this sort of there's this like slight second or two pause and then the place erupted i love that i and, live for the moments and they come back afterwards so they off they go and Kay tempest walks back on after she goes um that's it i just want to come out and say thank you that was something special and it was yeah. just such a two-way feeling in that moment absolutely incredible <laughs> and i think we i'd say we talked about this actually so there's a good you say there's a good, there's a good music scene in Northampton then yeah yeah I think there always has been and I wondered if that's just because that's the music scene I came through that I think is particularly special. you know it's there <laughs> I know it's there because of course like there are great musical cities in this country Manchester London Bristol um but but to, to me I think I don't know it's, it's it's hard to quantify it was about just a plethora of opportunity really like this was in the early days of MySpace when I was gigging in Northampton in the mid 2000s. And I look back at my kind of MySpace calendar at the end of one year, maybe 2005, 2006, and I've done over 200 gigs because there was always somewhere to gig and you could gig twice in the same night. You could walk up and down the Wellingborough Road and you could drop into two different places. Um, but also like, and this is a slight, you know, a slightly more analog age where you drop in a CDR to a venue and they might give you a gig or then you start reaching them out to, on, on MySpace. But, I think the experience of bands these days is so different. Like mm. you're, if you're gonna, it's always been hard to get signed and get a label to back you and all that stuff. But these days, you're expected to have your own professional press shots and your own video made. You've got to have a massive following on Spotify and all this stuff. Already. TikTok now, isn't it? It's TikTok. Oh, and TikTok, of course. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's the experience in a band of being in a band is so different. And there was something. What was great about Northampton those days? And again, the legacy of a lot of these venues is still there and recording studios. I went to chat to a guy called Paul who runs Stalker Studio in Northampton the other day. He used to book me in teenage bands. He's a great guy. He gets, uh, he's got about 35 bands rehearsing there every week. Wow. Um, and I don't, and there's another studio on the other side of town that has a, probably a similar number. I don't think many towns have just that number of people coming through. Um, and I think like anything, like a good youth theatre company in a way, it's this um, constantly renewing and refreshing cycle of people coming through. Because if you're a new musician and you form a band and you meet these other bands in Northampton and you get onto that circuit and you learn from each other and you collaborate with each other. And I, I was in about three or four different bands at that time, all with different people then whenever new people come in, there's people who have been in the scene for a long time who welcome them with open arms. And so you just keep renewing and renewing. So you could probably trace a line between some of the bands in 2022 now. Um, and we have guest bands every night. There's a 20 minute set when the doors open from Excellent. a guest contemporary band before the show even begins. You could trace a line between them and some of these bands I'm talking about in 2006, and there would be links. Well, what about the theatre scene in the area then? Is there a strong theatre scene then, or are you sort of having to sort of keep that going on your own? <laughs> well, so like a lot of the work we do is in Oxfordshire, you know, so we're kind of North Oxfordshire. Um, and so working in Northampton is quite new to us. Oh, okay. like, so we've partnered with, with Royal and Durngate on this. And, um, 
it, I've been involved in their generate artist development scheme for a while and had a lot of support for them. And then really, you know, this project would not have happened without them. Um, there's some really great um, people in and around that venue. And yeah, I've been able to connect with some really cool artists. So there's a company called Under the Bed Theatre who make great children's theatre, who I've done a bit of collaboration with. That rings with. a bell, yeah, I think. Seen, Lovely name. And Beth, they, they're, they're a new emerging company, but they're, they're great and very talented. Um, there's an artist called Chris Lowe, who's a kind of digital theatre maker who's producing our live stream. Um, he's very exciting. He's developing some new work there at the moment. Um, there's uh, a, a lovely um, Hummingbird Productions who are developing a project with um, Alan Moore is one of the Northampton's most famous sons, of course. And he's been involved in this uh, Greyfriars Island project about homelessness. Um, so there's a real hub. And like I say, the, the theatre are at the centre of that. They the creative learning teams are really giving with their time and really open to, to, to bringing new people in and supporting their work. And um, beyond, you know, the development they've done with me on this show, I've also just met loads of great artists th through it who I've gone on to work with on different things. I've met actors there who I've then cast in things or I've met designers who I've developed new ideas with. So, yeah, it is really exciting. You've also got Warts and All Theatre who are kind of based there and work throughout Northamptonshire who are very youth focused. So obviously we have a lot of um, similar values. Um, you've got Silhouette Youth Theatre who um, talk about access for young people. They have a youth theatre in a shopping centre. Um, young people come to those places, right? Uh, <laughs> so there's a really lively scene, I think, both in terms of music and um, and theatre. Mm -hmm. And I think the Royal and Dungate have always had this um, quite a bold vision, but they've had they've been boosted by having those two venues come together. So I don't, I don't even know, but the Dungate was a, a a big kind of thousand seater, maybe more venue that was built a stone's throw away from the Royal, which is obviously a lovely. Theatre Royal, Matcham style theatre. And um, there was a multi-million pound redevelopment under Rupert Gold when he was the artistic director there in the 2000s to just build them together, just make them one thing. So what they're able to do artistically, and you know, James Dacre runs the theatre now, and again, has been brilliantly supportive of, of this project and lots of other local things, is he can programme Made in Northampton seasons, often uh, co-productions with other venues that go on to different theatres um, and he can you know I think sometimes take take risks with that programming because you've got the Durngate there that's packing out those number one touring shows and those things that we you know they can be confident will draw an audience so it's, it's quite a unique business model I suppose they've got and Northampton is a town but it's massive like it's mm. applied to be a city a couple of times I think it probably should be a city but there's a lot of people out there. There's a big audience you can draw in. And I think they, they have great values around, um, you know, creative learning and community work. And that's the way you really build an audience. I was at the theatre doing a rehearsal with um, our young people on Tuesday and flocking out of the theatre as we finished our session were about 15 different schools who were doing a big festival there and all these kids were buzzing, having been on stage, primary school age kids and their families. And they're just like, yeah, that's what you do. You make your your theatre, the heart of the community, you open its doors to everyone, you give young people that opportunity. And like you're saying, hopefully those that new generation will start to come. Theatre you can grow with, can't you? You know, there should be lots of youth theatre and then there should be, you know, there should be theatres for the different ages, which I think, as and um, one of our writers um, who does a lot of editing work for us, she's so into a youth theatre and she said there's a big gap in youth theatre and there's not theatre made directly for teenagers. 
Yeah, I um, 100% agree. Yeah, that's absolutely what I'm trying to do. There's a hole there, isn't there? Which is, yes. And I do. And again, coming back to gig theatre, I think gig theatre should fill that hole. I think I think gig theatre has the potential to, to fill that hole. Um, right. About time we should wrap this up, I think. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> Great. so, so let's, let's go back. So we've got Song of the Summer, which is at the picture drome in northampton 11th to the 28th of august quite a few matinee performances isn't there there are so you can get down midweek or you can come at the weekend um with these saturday and sunday shows i did notice so when i looked when i was looking it up there's lots of sort of yeah afternoon performances which is great is there an age limit because it's got a bar is there an age limit yeah we've put a guidance 14 plus um and obviously you know if you're 14 you're not going to get served so bear that in mind but um <laughs> that's largely just to do with the content really it's a bit yeah oh, okay yeah but so yeah so but 14 is still pretty good if you can get if you get 14 years old in there that's that's still a great thing um so come on let's do a 60 second sales pitch then why should people come and see song of the summer at the pitch drone between 11th and 28th of august i think people should come and see song of the summer in august because it is a universal story that will appeal to people the other side of their teenage years and people in the middle of their teenage years it's coming of age it's friendship it's the joys of creating something for the first time with your friends and the world at your feet it's a feel-good show but it's also going to give you something different you haven't seen before i promise you i've made it because i've not seen it and i want to see it (laughs) so there's something for you there if you're a live music fan there's something for you there if you're a new writing fan um i can really think of no reason not to come (laughs) <laughs> absolutely i say what we'll do is we'll make sure there's links up there to to book the tickets the vet you know links to the venue um it does look very different as i say because i say i've seen a lot of gig theater but it's always been in in theater spaces so yeah. i'm really um it's a shame yeah northampton is a little bit too far outside my limit but um i it i think if you are in northampton it sounds such a great thing to come and see and i think yeah, I, I don't feel saying it. I mean, say I I would come and see this, and I'm in my fifties, and I think you know, if you're a teenager or in your fifties, sixties, I don't think it really matters. I think gig theatre just is so appealing. If you like music, as you said, if you like your music, if you like theatre, this is a perfect combination of the two, isn't it? So, very excited about this show, and I'm really hope that you know it does it does what you need it to do. Tristan, it's been absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, and say hopefully we'll hear from you again in the near future. Thanks, Rob. You certainly will. Yay! Thanks so much for listening. Please check out our website at everything-theatre.co.uk where you can find reviews and past interviews that we've done. And please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes where we'll be talking to more of the amazing people who make theatre the wonderful place it is. This has been Everything Theatre. We hope you enjoyed. <laughs>